Hello. Welcome to Maine Education Matters with Matt and Matt. My name is Matt. And I'm Matt, too. We have a banner pod today. Woohoo! 13 bills to go over. That's a lot. That's a lot. So, I'm excited. It's a lot. Let's get on. Let's get into it. We are going to start with Monday, March 4th public hearings. We're not messing around today. And then we do Wednesday, March 6th, both the morning and the afternoon ones. So March 4th, March 6th. Can so, you believe we're almost at March? We uh well, Unbelievable. on this pod, we are in March. So welcome to the future. Yes, that's right. We're in March now. Yes, of <laughs> course we are when we are recording this. <laughs> Uh, okay, we're going to start <gasps> right off the bat. Here we go. LD405. This one is an act to increase the statewide minimum salary for teachers. Yeah, this is one of three that are kind of lumped together in the morning that all have to do with wages and have to do with income. This one increases the minimum salary for certified teachers starting after June 30th, 2020, so next year. At $40,000. Yes. The commissioner will increase the state share of the total allocation uh, by the amount necessary to achieve that. So it's up to the, it's up to the commissioner to decide how that allocation is going to happen. So let's go to the next one. Right. Because th- that's, th- that's all this one says is, commissioner, figure it out. This one should be even better for you then. This is LD419. Yes. It's an act to require a minimum salary of $50,000 for public school teachers. Yes. This one is actually cooler because there's less in it than the one previously it's just that <laughs> this one establishes it at fifty thousand dollars yep there's no fiscal note there's no mention of where the money's going to come from there's no mention of how it's going to happen it's just going to uh, i dream of genie moment of just poof and, and arrive somehow i prefer bewitched of course you do so the one any reasonable human one. being would prefer i dream of genie to bewitched how dare you well you're let us know. Uh, let us know on social media <laughs> how you feel about Bewitched or I Dream of Genie. <laughs> it's so bewitched. Uh, so I the one before this, LD four hundred five, which is the forty thousand dollar one, did have something different because it increases the state share of the total allocation to to allow uh, districts to make up some of the money. This one doesn't. This one just says you're going to fifty. Yep. Period. Period. Not even forty. I mean, just just. Just straight up fifty. There's, there's, so where are they where are they going to land? They're going to land at forty. It's a, it's that spinning wheel of fortune type thing. Forty, fifty, or are they going to go bankrupt? That would be bad. That would be bad. What if they landed on like the one hundred one? Or one of those trips? Teachers would be. <laughs> oh, well, the trip's not bad. The Ooh, trips are bad. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's do the. Let's go to the next one. Who uh, would the Vanna White be? Uh, Sam- who would Pat? Would, would Pat Sajak? Samantha be? from Bewitched. Oh, good. God. So LD-898 <laughs> is next, an act to provide for a professional wage and support for new educators. Yeah, this one goes a little bit deeper. Yeah, there's a lot more pages to this, too. So this one, actually, one to get, let's talk about the summary for this one. This one goes on for a it, very long it, time. So, so when you're reading these, these bill proposals, you'll see um, that there's text that isn't underlined and text that is underlined. Mm-hmm. When it's underlined, it means it's new text. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking right now at uh, one, two, three, four, four pages of new text. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot. That's a lot. That's, that's a that's, lot of new stuff. That's a lot of new stuff to digest. So I'm looking at the summary is a page and a half. 
right. for this. So let's usually it's a paragraph, if that. If that, yeah, the last two were a sentence. It's just statement. <laughs> this and this one is this one's oh, well, Tolstoyish war and peace type look at a bill. So let's let's talk about this one. Right? Presented by Millette. How long are you going to take on this one, Senator? It's because the whole bill is going to take forever to gush to go through. It, 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 well, that's the thing. The summary. I'm kidding. We just, just come on. Don't, don't take it personally. This is this. The summary has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven things to do, which is a lot for a. Second. Yeah. So this bill proposes to improve teacher quality by amending blah 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 blah. There's a lot going on there. Here's let's talk about the next one. Expands the student teaching experience and academic academic achievement requirements for candidates for professional teacher certificate. Okay. I get really nervous during this one as I was reading it. Specifies the I num- can't imagine why. <laughs> a lot of personal information is about to come out. <clears throat> it specifies the number of hours of practicum you must complete and clarifies the time frame during which the student teaching experience must occur. That's cool. So, stu- okay. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm I think it just kind of clarify stuff together. I, I didn't see a big deal with that one. So student teaching can only occur during like your first semester, junior, senior year. Yeah, junior and senior year is when all of this stuff I'm just, has, I'm, has to happen. Yeah, I'm just making that stuff. But so it couldn't possibly happen for someone else at a different time at a different pathway. No. no okay. We don't believe in that. Nope. Here's the, One cookie cutter way for everybody. It's a tougher one. The bill enacts a grade point average requirement with respect to applicants recommended by in- educational institutions. I have a question for you. <laughs> okay. How do you feel about grade point averages? <laughs> As somebody who would not have qualified for this one, uh, not so good. I, I, I just wonder. Yeah, I, me neither. And I, I wonder, honestly, what is the evidence in support of that practice? Aside anecdotal, aside from what we've always done, what is the actual evidence that supports that a grade point average actually is an indication of effectiveness. So as I talked about on the last pod, I was teasing the part about proficiency-based grading systems. Mm-hmm. And here it is. Teacher prep programs is on page one, so it'll be uh, section six. It's, it's all new information about teacher preparation programs. Uh, you must, uh, in an educational institution offering an approved teacher prep program must maintain a 3.0 average, grade point average, based on a four-point graded point system, or... How do you feel about four-point grade systems? I'm just going to move past that. Okay. Or at least an average proficiency rating for Mm. teacher prep programs using proficiency-based grading systems for all students completing the program. Now... So you're telling me that reading the fine print, not this a summary, matters? A little bit. I think it it builds with this length. It really does. Reading the bills usually helps. (laughs) Congress people in Washington don't read... The comments in the margins. <gasps> Blasphemer. So, A. Dare you. I'm really confused by this one, to be honest. And it's not the what I just said, because it does talk about proficiency-based grading systems, which is it's in proposed law now, which is cool. But but that's in teacher preparation programs. So, in for, in for this particular one. But right. the, the whole sentence confuses me, and here's why. It says an educational institution offering an approved teacher prep program must maintain a 3.0 average GPA based on a four-point graded point system. The, is it the applicant or the institution? That's an interesting read of that language. I, I didn't pick up on that. There's, that an educational institution must maintain a 3.0 average, which is what it's, which is literally what it says. A 3.0 average 
grade point average. Or at least an average. So is it the institution? So is it then? They all, so the average, the average of all, of all students. Kids, now I'm safe. Because <laughs> <laughs> somebody else is going to bring me up. But it's, I, I don't know if that's what it's saying. So if, if you're a teacher prep program and the average GPA of your, of your learners is under 3.0, you're probably not going to be a teacher prep program anymore is what this kind of is saying. That's interesting. I'm, that's the way I was reading it. That may be incorrect, but as we just said, there's four pages of underlined stuff here, and a lot of it is is honestly no, in, but, in, but incomprehensible. No, but looking at it through that lens, through that lens, which is important to do, because I often look through it, because it talks a lot about what teachers, what teachers need, what teachers need to do that. But then it jumps to the programs, and so I was mm-hmm. assuming that it was coming through the lens of what a teacher would need to have leaving that program in order to be a teacher. But perhaps that this language is literally talking about what the programs might have in order to maintain a certain level of quote unquote accreditation, to yeah. to you know to be able to be, be send teachers to the state for certification purposes. That's what I think this one was because there's an A, B, C, and D part for this, uh, which is all about teacher prep programs, uh, and that's that's the first part of it. The, the rest of it talks about you know how many hours of practicum and how much student teaching experience kind of what we talked about in the summary yep uh, and just lays some of that stuff out um it also talks about a mentoring system and uh, it was really starting to be interesting here not that it didn't start to be interesting earlier but this one talks about strengthening the support and mentoring systems required to provide assistance for teachers including teachers certified for less than five years Mm-hmm. and requires the commissioner to pay salary supplements to teachers who are involved in the operation of such systems, which is cool. But for less than five years, I didn't know that it uh, – does it go for do, – do you know – I'm not really involved in our mentoring program uh, in my district, so I don't know who gets mentors and who doesn't. Does it go up to five years? Not usually. I thought that w- seemed extended to me, which it's is good. I mean, that's I don't think that's a bad thing. Because, you know, most prof- uh, provisional – Certification uh, for certification after like two or three it's years. Like two, and then you'd get your professional certificate. Right, and then and then, then you're done with the mentor. Yeah, you don't need one anymore. Correct. But I think where part of this might be coming from is that we know a lot of teachers enter the profession and then leave the profession fairly quickly. Within like, five like years. Within five years. Mm, I wonder if that's Shocking. coincidental. So this kind of strengthens that, which I really like. And sure. it it uh, it allows the mentors to get a supplement for that to, to help their fellow uh, teachers for an extended period, which, mm-hmm. again, I, I kind of like that. Uh, it also ties right into the last couple, increases the minimum salary to $40,000 beginning with the 2020-2021 school year and provides that a certified teacher's salary may not remain at the minimum level for longer than two years. That's going to be an interesting wrinkle to watch because of local negotiations and local contracts and how that, how that all happens, that if they say they're not allowed to do that, what kind of impact is that going to have on either districts who have steps or you don't have steps and just negotiate year-to-year based on their PEPG systems? Uh, that's going to be an interesting little wrinkle to see argued. This one's going to have a lot of people talking about this one, I think, only because there's so much stuff in here that yeah. people are going to attack this from a, a bunch of different angles trying to get their, their opinions in, which well, I think is, is great. I, that, I, attack is not the right no, – not, no, no, no. not in an attack, but it's like there's a lot to go through on there's, this There's one. a lot. And that's, that's, that's one of the 
one of the be- one of the one of the benefits of having a bill like this written like this is that it has a lot of detail. It has a lot of thought to it. It has a lot of wrinkles that have been ironed or sort of sort of quote unquote ironed out so far. The problem with that is that it gives people direct targets to attack, like you said, to kind of pinpoint and to go really really deep into a narrow view and to could possibly derail the entire thing. Whereas the other two bills about minimum teacher salary are basically just a hey, 40,000 or 50,000. That's all it basically says. And right. commissioner figure it out or none of the above. So that in and of itself could also be good in that it says, well, no, this is, this is the principle. This is what we, what we want to do. Now go figure out how to do it. So this is, this is, uh, brings up a, something as I was reviewing the testimony for our uh, other pods that we also do is a lot of the testimony from the presenter's point of view they say i i just want to start the conversation here's a bill that allows us to start this conversation get some information from the public and then go into our work sessions and try to start figuring this out which i like because it may not be like the, the this presenter for this particular one is senator Millette, right and co-sponsored by a whole number of people including other people on the committee and there's a, so much in here this bill is not going to be taken up perfectly. It's not going to be an ought to pass with no amendments. There's just no, this... so much in here that uh, a lot of the things, as we go through some of the some of the work session votes, a lot of them are ought to pass ought to pass as amended. So there's there's always some talking about it, and there's a lot in here that my assumption is probably going to be that this won't go through right now, but it starts that conversation on, hey, we need to do something for our teachers. And it's not just about the money; it's also about giving them support while they're while they are teachers. Yeah, and 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 actually rec- making some more stringent or explicit requirements of what peer mentoring support needs to be. Um, also, providing them that level of that threshold of a livable wage and everything else that's in here. It, it's a very comprehensive bill in that way, and I think you're right that when it gets down to times for testimony and then the work session, that's where a lot of the stuff will get wrinkled out and figured out whether it's amended or not. Um, because that's what always happens, and with a, especially with a bill like this. The other two, I can't see them going much further no. because there's nothing there. The, yeah, it's it's a way to bring it up. Yeah, this this one here, uh, 898, is far more comprehensive and does, a, does actually something to argue and discuss. So that one's going to be March 4th. We still have a couple to, to do in the morning. Uh, they have the... They are the morning of the March March fourth, so it's a Monday morning. What better way to start your week? I agree. So, <laughs> can't imagine another place to like to be. Oh wait, that's not true. I love my job. Dream job. It is a dream job. So let's go to the next. Thank you one. for listening. You got that reference. LD four eighty four. This one is a resolve to establish a Maine State High School diploma. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about this one. Let's go. So, again, we'll go through the summary. There's only two sections to this one, and it's a resolve. It's not a bill. So this is directing the DOE to do something. So it's directing the DOE in consultation with the State Board of Ed to develop a main state high school diploma and report to the committee no later than January 15th of 2020. Yes. So, how are they going to do this? So, what? So, how are they going to determine whether a person is eligible for a high school, a main state diploma? They're going to define the criteria, which must include statewide exam that is defined, proctored, and graded at the state level and overseen by the DOE, while still respecting the role and value of local control, 
The Maine State High School Diploma must be designed to be in addition to a high school diploma awarded by a secondary school. So they're saying it's like a, uh, a distinction? No, so, it's, a, it's a completely separate diploma, right? It's a completely separate document. So the way that say, I think it about— It does say in addition to. Right. So you get a RSU2 diploma and right. you get a Maine High School diploma. This sounds to me like a New York Regents type thing. So that there is a main high school diploma going around right now that's, that few kids get every year, but some do because they don't meet the requirements of their particular district because a lot of times they're uh, either homeschooled and not enrolled enough to qualify for a diploma. We've had a, a couple kids um, in the past few years that have gotten a main diploma rather than an RSU2 one because they've sure. only been here for like six months or, or something. Um, so you, you don't have the time requirements to be in the high school enough to earn that diploma. And so there there is a, a already one existing. So but, but, but you but you decide that, right? right? So this is not where you send your students up to Augusta and, to take a test. and they, they sit in a room, take a test and kind of like what are they the, uh, the owls in Harry Potter? You know it's not like one of those type things. Do you know what I'm talking referencing at all? That would be cool. If we sent them and they like got an owl as a gift for taking the state exam, like Hedwig, what if they came back with an owl? No, that's not what the owls stand for. No, ordinary wizard. I want the things. owls. You want the actual owls, like a snowy owl, a barn owl. If we're taking a state high school diploma, I want something the in it for me. Greenhorn owl. Yeah. So you want them to take the test and get an owl? Yes. That's that's what they get out of it, an owl. That's what I'm going to recommend as an, I think as an you're, amendment. I think you're totally missing my comparison. I am. <laughs> I clearly am, but mine's better. <laughs> no, yours is just you get an owl at the end of it. Isn't that the point of education? Yes, we all get owls. There you go. So I don't know exactly where this is going. And again, it's not directing them to do something immediately. This is trying to figure out. So how do we do this in the next year? This is presented by Senator Pouliot of Kennebec by request. And I've heard through the rumor mill this was requested by a teacher in, in uh, the senator's district. I, I, I do think there needs to be some, some definition as to what that in addition to a high school diploma really means because that, that has some, some layers to me. Because if it's not in addition to, if it's a separate piece entirely, then it is that adding a level of competition, and that then vi might go against the whole um, respecting the role and value of local control. So I guess we'll find out when this one gets presented again on the morning of the 4th. Uh, and we only have one more bill for the morning of the 4th. Yes, we do. In this gigantic, super long podcast of public hearings. Number 502, an act to establish the Summer Success Program Fund, presented by Representative Pierce of Falmouth, and co-sponsored by uh, Breen of Cumberland and Representative Daughtry, former member of the committee. Millette of Cumberland is also on there. Senator Millette, committee chair, Senate committee chair. So what's, what's this one all about, Matt? This one establishes uh, something called a summer, summer Success Program Fund. And as we talked about with one of the earlier ones, this has a lot of underlined uh, information, which means it's all Whole new. Whole new. It's all new. So this will be a dedicated fund to be administered by the DOE to encourage the facilitation of high-quality summer success programs in school administrative units throughout the state. Here are the things that it will establish. There's five things with some A, Bs, and Cs. 
It provides money paid into the fund, may include general fund appropriations as well as grants, gifts, and any other money, and any money from the fund expanding access to summer success programs, sub supplements, and not supplant federal funding. It requires the commissioner to administer the fund within the DOE, establish standards and approval for the allocation and use of the fund money. And they, the commissioner can include the following in the standards, which are guidelines similar to the 21st century community learning centers, effective models of summer success programs that involve networking, et cetera, and implementation of formative and summative assessment me methods to measure student achievement. Number three, it provides that the department required to provide grant funding to cover 90% of the cost of summer success programs if you have more than 50% free and reduced. It adds the fund to enhancing student performance and opportunity provisions of Essential Programs and Services Funding Act. And the commissioner has to do a report by December. I'm sorry, I dozed off. Can you repeat that again? There is so much in here. Basically, it's a new program for summer. Yeah, well, 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 here's what I heard you say. Money, 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 money. And owls. That was the previous bill, not this one, Matt. Stay out. Again, amendment. No, but every single step here was about money. Yep. I still don't know, and I cannot find in this bill, and maybe you can help me, Okay. what the summer success program is. Oh. Oh, that's interesting. Because an act to establish program. a summer program fund. Oh, I got it for you. Okay. The, the summer success program. It means it's a program offered by a public school that provides traditional and alternative teaching methods to ensure every student has access to a high-quality extended school year program. No, I have this underlined myself, actually. Not, so, not just underlined by them? No, I have my own purple. I use purple. Oh, it helps the student improve the student's academic achievement and addresses the needs of the student to demonstrate content area proficiency based on the student's grade level. So basically, it's designed to help kids. Summer school. It's a summer program to help kids, an extended learning opportunity in summer. That's all it is. So this is a way to help fund that. Which is not a bad thing. Not at all. I don't know where the money's coming from. Well, they said it in here, they said some of it comes from, they're off of uh, Title IV, under yep yeah a so, lot of uh, some federal money title four title one will get a lot of those so basically it's able to use a lot of other funds but I, is this this is also saying you can also use monies out of the general fund and mm -hmm. monies out of eps correct yes okay all right okay i guess that's it for that one <laughs> i want to see i want to see where that one goes so yeah i'm this, i there's a lot. I'm terrible at the money stuff. I am too. This, this to me, like this seemed to me, when I was when I first saw this, like, ooh, a summer success program. What could that be? And then reading the bill, it's like it's all fun, fun, fun. For there is no real definition for what a summer success program is because it's just summer school. It's summer school. That's all that it is, and it's but it's providing funding to provide more, either more of that or something better. I don't know. I'm still very confused. That's why we go to public hearings and try to find this stuff out. And with that, we are done with March 4th. That what only a day. took us 25 minutes. What a morning. We have another full day ahead of us for March 6th. We're going to start in the morning. But luckily, there's nothing really incendiary happening in those days. That uh, day. Right? I am going to assume 
right? Is sarcasm out of one of the Matt's mouths here. So let's talk about the morning. I, I don't know what sarcasm is. It flies right past me. <laughs> Wednesday in the morning, we're going to start with LD 136. 136, an act to establish a special education circuit breaker reimbursement program. Pre uh, presented by Representative Rodnicki of Fairfield, part this of the Ed Committee. is a fascinating morning talking about money. Yes, <laughs> more. Our strong points. More and more uh, to do with the funding. So this one, basically, I like the idea, if with my limited understanding of this one, that the DOE is going to reimburse uh, school districts who, uh, for a student whose eligible special education costs exceed four times the statewide EPS per pupil rate. Yeah, so so the way, the way that I look at this one, I, I read the same thing, and I had to read it like nine times <laughs> to make sure so I don't understand all that. But it, it seems to me like, okay, if you normally get, if you get, uh, normally get $10 for a special education student, but that special education student costs like $30, $40, $50, then the DOE is going to help reimburse some of those funds. Good. For out-of-district out placement, yep. for other needs that you might, for if you need to hire specialized people to in order to meet the particular needs of that kid based on that student's IEP, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's fine. I do too. I think that's fine because I know there are a lot of uh, a lot of districts that struggle sometimes. Well, yeah, with the amount of money that it costs for, and you can't you can't turn away kids in public school. Not allowed to. So, <laughs> not allowed to. <laughs> not allowed to. You, you can't know. say. You will take you, but not there are, you. There are some schools in the state who could say, eh, no thanks. We don't really want you here. But public schools, if you're in the district, come yeah. on in. Yeah. And we got to figure out a way to give you the best free and appropriate education that we can. And if, you, if you're in a district that happens to have a bubble sometimes of kids who cost a lot of money for whatever reason, then this is a way to, to help support that. And yeah, which is, I think the the idea is good. I don't really know the details of it, obviously, well, it, but it also helps you know it helps reduce the cost of the the local share significantly because yeah. it puts a lot of it back more on the state. Yeah, and I like that one. Let's just go to the next one. Let's talk about something. Well, there's some there was some about. who would say that you know other districts shouldn't be paying for those kids in the other district in their home district, but that's that's I'm that, sure that'll come. That's up the argument point. that'll be made, and whether we agree with that or not is well kind of clear. <laughs> Pretty sure that's clear. <laughs> Next one is LD651, which is an act to facilitate school access to federal Title I funds and approve the delivery of special education services. Yeah. <laughs> this one goes on for six pages, too. This one was weird to me. Well, only because I don't really understand it. Well, so. well, well, because I, I got confused because an act to facilitate school access to federal Title I funds. And I thought, well... Who doesn't have what schools don't have access to federal Title I funds? I mean, obviously, federal. Obviously, if you're not a Title I school, that's one thing. But this is really about. It starts off this whole thing about non-traditional, limited-purpose school approval. Mm -hmm. So it's finding these other nonprofit institutions that work with specified po populations that could be Title I eligible, and now they can get those Title I funds. Yep. So, okay. My question is fr from that is does does this take away from the local district's Title One allocation if that student is in that particular district? Like, so there's a district if the student district A and there's a institutional non educational institution there that's getting Title One funds. That kid goes to that institution. Does that institution get those Title One funds? Yes. 
All right. Just yes. Because that, the that, money follows the that kid. Happens, that happens now with private schools. Right. If you if you happen to have private schools in your in your district, uh, some of the Title I money goes to that. Right. So the money follows the kid. Yeah. Okay. It also has six other things with this one. Yep. That would that was just part one. That was just that was just a little one. Uh, it adds response to intervention systems (RTI systems) to the minimum requirements for basic school approval. Okay. So, so any any new any new school any any new new institution that's going to be established as a new school has yeah. to have an RTI system in place. Yes. All right. Okay. I'm, it I'm feels pretty much okay with that. Facilitates collaboration between general education and special ed. Including that the DOE is required to facilitate a process to help schools apply for school-wide status with respect to federal Title I funds. Uh, okay. I thought they already did, but I'm clearly missing the nuances of this one. Um, I, I, I think part of it is kind of a – might be a little dig on the folks and saying like making the Title I applications a little, a little bit difficult. Maybe this is a way of saying, hey, can you make it easier? And you simplify it a bit. It'd be super nice if it was easier. Maybe it'd not be like this whole like 12, 20, 40 page thing. As somebody who writes one, yes. Yeah. I'd like some help. Uh, fourth thing, it promotes dual certification oh, I, I programs. Think we, that, could be, that could be a whole separate pod about just us going off about, about applications. It's <laughs> our separate pod that no one's going to listen to. <laughs> no one would, except like three people with very specialized ideas anyway so this one it goes i don't really understand the rest of it promoting dual certification programs by the doe and the state board recodification which and aside i love that word recodification (laughs) of the main revised statutes concerning special ed requires review of the purpose of the maintenance of effort funding component of the essential program services funding formula whether it's accomplishing this purpose and how to increase equity i think that is the point of this entire bill to be honest yeah that's you that's 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 kind of big along with the next one which requires a review and improvement of main care billing systems and procedures through a pilot program i think the last two things are the giant things in here that basically it's going to start talking about is eps working Mm -hmm. they say it is and has been for ages but it can always be better right well, yeah, that, I think I mean, this is going to facilitate some of that process. There was a there was a statewide equity report that came out not too long ago, a few years ago, and I think part of this might be, hey, this, are, are we living up to what the expectations said in that? Yeah, I think that's part of that one. Let's go to the next one. We Let's don't do know, it. We know what we're doing. LD seven ninety one, an act to provide school districts with full state funding for students with high cost special ed needs. All right, buckle up. Kind of what we just talked about last time. This uh, by the this is my one of my favorite ones because it's. Um, Three sentences. Yeah. So go. This bill requires the state beginning July 1st, 2020, to provide school administrative unit 100% of the funding needed for high-cost special education students. End of report. Should be should be good. It's got a lot of people in there. It seems, go, going to the next seems to be a pretty consistent theme this, this session about putting the funds off of the local districts and back onto the state. I wonder, I wonder why that was taken away for like maybe the last eight years or so. Let's take a moment to ponder on that, shall we? Let's talk about LD. That was a heck of a moment. 852 while you're (laughs) pondering that one. An act to enhance the coordination of benefits, assessments, and expansion of continuing education programs for young adults with disabilities after high school. This is a concept draft. This is not actually a thing yet. This is an idea that they're putting forward to say, hey, what about 
how, how might we establish a task force to study the benefits, assessments, expansion of continuing education programs for young adults with disabilities after high school? That's great. Let's, 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 I think that's great. Let's, let's look into about it. it. Let's figure this out. Right. This is, it's a crucial need. As we kind of talked about, I don't know if it was there um, are a lot of crucial needs. This or something else, but a lot of these bills seem to be brought up to start a conversation. Yes. And this is a concept draft is kind of that on purpose. But in this particular case, I think that would be a really, really worthwhile discussion to have is how, what, how, how can we help kids that are special ed in our schools, but once they leave, they, they're just gone. Right. They're still, they how, still how have do, the, these needs. Yeah. It and doesn't how, go away. How do we support that? How do we support state? that? I think that's a wonderful idea. And that's the morning. Let's have some lunch. Go down to the cafe. All right. Like that cafe down there. Oh, it's good. They have some like really good potato chips down there that you can't find anywhere else. Oh, really? I haven't, I haven't, I haven't sampled their oh, chips. Oh. The chip fair. It's super good. It's super good. Unfortunately, uh, with all of this talk in the morning, we went over a little bit, and it's already 1 o'clock on March 6th now. So we had to get ready for the next uh, public hearing. Glad I brought my lunch in my little bag. There is four of them in the afternoon, but we're only going to talk about three. You know what? why? What? What? Because one of them was punted. It was punted, basically. It was LD375. It was an act to promote the forest products industry and school construction and renovation involving heating systems. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, as those of you listening to Maine Education Matters, you're probably familiar with Maine winters and Maine we get snow. And, well, one of the days of testimony was this day and it was snow and everything was canceled. And so it got replaced to March 6th. But we've already previewed it. We have already previewed it. On our March, uh, March, our February 12th podcast. So please go back about 1,000 into our uh, feed here. (laughs) And I'm going to to demonstrate a preference to move on to the next bill for that day. Okay. That's a deep cut into that particular bill. Very nice. Go back and listen. So we'll talk about LD 587. It's an act to require career options education for high school students. Yes, it does. Makes career ed development a required one semester course to receive a high school diploma. Okay. Let's do the next one at the same time. Let's do it. LD 654 is an act regarding instruction in civics in secondary schools. Yes. This one clarifies that civics is part of the social studies section. Yes. And you have to teach it. Yes. Okay. This has obviously been a common thread. So I'm going to go right to the next one because or, that's how we're going to talk about this one. LD882. So if, 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 if you're in your car <laughs> driving around, I hope, hope you're paying attention because we started off with one, skipped over it, went to the next one, skipping over that one, and we're going to the third one, and we're going to work our way backward. Is that, is that, is that what I'm hearing? That things? is Look, very I'm, accurate. Just for, for those of you in the car, I'm a passenger along with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This Matt is driving one. this ship. LD882, which is a resolve to require the examination of the system of learning results. This one is presented by Representative Sampson of Alfred, who is on the Education Committee, along with a variety of other people that are not on the Education Committee. And this one is, again, a resolve, not a bill. It basically says, DOE convenes a working group to study the system of learning results, uh, to study the system, including the following determining age-appropriate learning standards that are the product of research and development in the state and have gone undergone peer review or replication studies. We'll get get back to that one. 
<laughs> and two, the feasibility of replacing the SAT testing system with a more reliable measure of student achievement, such as AccuPlacer. I'm going to stop you right there. I'm, I thought I was driving this pod. Right. I, I can't – armchair quarterback, I can't, I can't be a backseat driver here? Uh, no, right, not yet. Ahead. Finish so, up. Uh, so I'm going to start going back to those two, as you so eloquently said a second ago, regarding instruction civics yep. and career options. Uh, we have talked about traffic safety. Yes, we have. We've talked about personal finance. Personal finance. Uh, there are more coming through the system that basically just adds things. And a lot cursive. of the testimony. Uh, cursive. <laughs> there you go. Uh Talking about the, the people who testify on these, uh, like Maine State Superintendents Association, uh, Maine Curriculum Leaders Association, really talk about we're not against it, but there's a different way to do this. You don't want right. to you don't want to legislate piecemeal. So the idea that I'm going to start with on this one that is put out by Representative Sampson is to study the whole thing and figure out is this system of learning results actually working for us are there things that we're not teaching that we should be are there things that we are teaching that we don't need to be that's i'm looking from the positive view here. sure 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 sure. and looking at the whole system is what people want to do look at the whole thing is what we have for learning results in maine that are requirements that we teach our kids is that system working for us and if this is the discussion, there's some other stuff in here which you're about to get to. Well, well, but, I, well, because the I, idea behind the working group to talk about that is a good idea. I, 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 I think it's a fine idea to look into it. I think it's a fine idea to examine it and, and whatnot. I think they're based on some of the language in that um, in 882, the resolve um, in that first bullet there um, makes me a bit curious. Makes me a bit worried. Because it says uh, age-appropriate literacy that are the product of research and development in the state. Mm-hmm. To me, when I read that, that says not national standards at all. Mm-hmm. That says nothing that was done by any ac- outside organizations like the uh, next-gen science standards or the Common Core standards for English language arts and mathematics. That that the standards have to be written for Maine by Maine. Here, because, just because that's because, because we know best, which is then to me crazily or strangely um, changed in that second bullet when it says uh, a replacement of the, of the SAT, SAT testing system, which I'm fine with. I would totally love to get rid of the SAT as our high school assessment mm-hmm. uh, with a more reliable measure like the AccuPlacer. The AccuPlacer is not going to be based on a main state learning results. The main state test would be based on whatever college board who runs AccuPlacer, who also runs the SAT, is going to determine. And if they're ELA and math, they're going to be aligned to the Common Core state standards, which are our current state standards, which Bullet 1 seems to want to get rid of. And I might be reading into that. We could be reading into that because there's a lot of language in here that is, if you pick it apart word by word, it's... A little strange. It is. So, again, this is one of those ones that I'm really interested in hearing what Representative Sampson has to say when she presents this. I, I'm curious as to why she wrote or they put in the AccuPlacer and didn't put in something like Smarter Balanced. I 
think those are words we have to cut from our official education podcast now, isn't it? I, I, I don't think – it's get the E rating? <laughs> get the E rating? <laughs> I'm just I'm, – you know, or, or the NWEA or the something else that might be used in schools. Yeah, so I'm not exactly sure, but again, we will bring you the testimony for that one. It seems to be, an, but just another layer, another uh, not, not, I, wouldn't, I won't say attack, but poking at the main education assessment. There's been a lot of that in this session so far, mm-hmm. in both testimony and bills. Yeah, a lot of the bills that came up, just to, I think, to finish this one off, a lot of these bills that come up for regarding new instruction, like civics and personal finance, the things we just talked about, would also require at some point you'd have to test for it mm-hmm. eventually. Right. Uh, especially one of them that, that went up uh, with the science standards. Yes. Required a test. As part of PEPG. At, as part of that. So part of teacher evaluation, that's yeah. Now, now that's adding more tests to our kids already, which I know that they no, don't. No, 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 no. It's not adding tests to the kids already. Because the test, the, student, the kids already take the science test. No, they want to do it every year, though, not just grades 5, 8, and 11. Oh, that's right. They did. Yeah, so they want to add some that's tests. That's true. But they want to take away other testing because we test our kids too much. And there's there's a balance. There's, there's a balance. It's, but that's true. And maybe that this resolve, if this one goes through, at least starts the discussion of is, what are we doing here? I, I would love that conversation. Yeah. And, and If it's not limited to those two things, that's great. It does say including the following, but it doesn't say exclusive to the following if we're going to read it word by word here. Right. So once you open up that group, well, which we have would... to report by December of this year, so that's pretty quick. That's a quick turnaround. Uh, which then submits legislation to the second session starting next year. That's a quick turnaround. And I would want to make sure that the people on that resolve, that group, are fair and balanced across the state. And, again, all, all questions that I normally have about this stuff, uh, civics and career de- de- education development, great, fine, dandy, we want to do this. How are we going to pay for it? How are you going to hold it accountable um, and at the expense of what? Because, you know, it's, it's got to be at the expense of something. You, we, have, we have finite time in, in schools. And with that, our time is up. Nicely done. Thank you. That was a review or, excuse me, a preview of public hearings on March 4th and March 6th. Uh, we just went through 13 bills, some of them rather quickly, but as you can see, a lot of them are tied together. So when they put out the schedules, they try to put the ones all together that kind of make sense. So if you're, uh, like uh, the, the financial ones that we did before, if you're testifying on one, you can testify to your heart's delight all yes, in can. one morning rather than come back like six or seven times. Because there is a lot. I remember there's, what, 2,000 bills that are in there. <laughs> uh, we're going through 200 of them. I will, never, I will not forget the face of the education committee members. I was there the first day when they, when they opened up the hearings. And Senator Millette said that very thing. We have something like over 200. And some of the representatives just rolled their eyes going, are you serious? <sighs> so the best part of this was we obviously <laughs> have, a, me up. We have a spreadsheet for this, right? Yes, we do. We have, as of right now, only 108 bills that have been actually printed so far. We're not even halfway. Not even halfway yet. And, some, we, we, and we've only talked about, what, maybe 30 total? Actually, I can I can tell you that right here. We have previewed. <laughs> please be more than thirty. Please be at least thirty. Thirty-four. Thirty-four. Okay. We have a hundred and seventy to go. And with that, we're on to our next one.
Uh, this is going to be a busy week for us. We are going to start reviewing testimony now uh, on the next few pods. Your feed is about to be full. Indeed. Enjoy. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>